two weeks <coughs> two weeks ago I told you is this on? Now is it on? Yes. Two weeks ago I told you that uh, the re- reason we praise God and worship God was more for our sake than for his. He's actually God. <laughs> he doesn't need anything. He doesn't, he doesn't care whether you praise him or not in the sense of, of it, he in himself the man who, or the, the being who stood out in the universe and created everything before there was a man, uh, that's pretty impressive. But for our sake, and because of our relationship with him, we praise him so that we get outside of ourselves and decide that we're not so much God that maybe he is more God. And the percentage takes place there. So, I was thinking maybe we should make a little bit more room for Jesus. It's okay for him to be here. And the way we make more room for him is to praise him. I'm going to... Nathan, I'm going to do the eighth psalm. I'll attempt to read it. I'll need some help. <clears throat> I, I got to hear uh, T.J. Jakes talking about the talents. <coughs> you, y'all happen to hear that? He was talking about the man that was given five talents, the guy that was given two talents, the guy that was given one talent. One that had five talents said, here, I'll, these look pretty good. I'm going to make ten, I'm going to make five more. And so when the guy came back, he gave him, he had ten. The guy that four, he made two more. The guy that had one, he buried his so that he'd have it when he got back. And uh, what that says is there's no such thing as equality, especially with God. He's not fair, and he doesn't treat us equally, and he doesn't think we should be treated equally, and we shouldn't. There's no such thing as equality. That's a Marxist concept that if man was God, that's the way we would run it. And so... It's, it's very clever sounding, and our whole society is trying to be built on that, but it's going to be a frustrating, terrible, colossal failure because it's not truth and it's not God. By the way, if, uh, if Greg and I were given two talents each, That and Derek was only given one, and then we all had to be football coaches. <laughs> That's equality. <laughs> I have an idea that our our talents could be squandered. <laughs> The, the point, you get the point. 
There's a reason why God doesn't do things the same for every person. I mean, at my age, 30 minutes of being on the field with the boys, if I made it that long, on the football team would require about three hours rest. I mean, that's the way I work now. Derek could stay out there the three hours and finish the practice. I don't know about Greg. I'm suspicious he might do it. <laughs> but that's what that means. And, and our spiritual life, I mean, it has nothing to do really with our works. It has to do with our obedience and our trusting God. And so that's what he's talking about here. Praising God has everything to do with our relationship with God and nothing to do with how we look. And this is really a hard concept because we think that we have to help God and I'm not saying it's wrong. I mean, I'm wearing a suit. I think it makes you think that I might be a preacher. I mean, I look like a preacher. <laughs> Got a tie and coat on. And that's, of course, that means nothing anymore to the new generations. But in my generation, that meant something. And as you know, it doesn't help a bit. <laughs> I'm still the same. But God wants us to make room for Jesus. Now, it's a proportional thing. The more you praise the Lord, the less of you is that important. And God becomes more and more and more important. And so while you're emptying yourself... There's actually theological terms for all this stuff. It's real simple, but you can make it difficult if you study this enough. It's called the kenosis, the big kenosis of, of God being incarnated was to empty himself and let humanity take over and him be man and God here on earth equally. It was a, it's a big thing. And... That doesn't help a bit in the relationship factor, but it makes us feel smarter and think that we're better than we probably are. I've never liked that verse, don't think more highly of yourself than you should. I don't know how to do that. I, I thought I did, but... Then I think, okay, I'm really depreciating myself and um, trying to see myself as I really am. And my heart is just like everybody else's. It's desperately wicked. And who can know it? And no matter how good I act or how decent I've been to everybody or how sweet I am or how strong or how weak it none of that matters 
The only thing that matters is my relationship with Jesus Christ. And then if he wants to use me for a witness, it has nothing to do, do with the way I look. Doesn't matter if I have a blue tie on. It's not going to help. Though these are pretty sharp boots. Elephant boots. <laughs> they should impress you. And, and I've had them for over 30 years, so they're pretty good boots. I've worn them twice, but no. <laughs> afraid to wear anything like this. No, I've worn them a lot. So God gives us this gift of himself. That's the big gift. And we make room for God in our lives by praising him. First we accept him, then we praise him, and then the proportion takes place. That way, he becomes more and more God. He gets out of the backseat of the bus and finally gets in the driver's wheel of our life. He does the things that he begins to, to be who he wants to be in us, but he's a perfect gentleman. As long as we want to run it, he'll stand there and watch. I think like this. You're going to do that? <laughs> and so God puts up with a lot. But this verse, this chapter, 8, Psalm 8, is a beautiful psalm. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, Hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger? When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visiteth him? For thou hast made him a little lower than angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. There was a, a guy named Henry Golden who wrote a, a book, uh, a funny book, really. And it, the title of the book was Why I Never Ball Out the Waitress. <laughs> and... And in the explanation, he must have read the eighth psalm because somebody asked him what that meant. And in the book, it kind of explained this. It says, I think about, I walk out and I look up at night and I see the stars and I see the Milky Way. And I know that there are more than a billion suns 
in the Milky Way, which is just our galaxy. And there are millions of galaxies. And in our galaxy, with over a million suns, there are suns that are larger, so much larger than our universe that it would consume most of the planets. There are so many phenomenons that we couldn't understand it. There are so many satellites, billions of satellites around the suns just in our, our galaxy. And I think of this, and I think the awesomeness of, who, of where we are here and that I'm self-conscious of, or I'm conscious of myself. I know I exist. And I think when the waitress makes a mistake, this is no big deal. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. What matters is for me to enjoy my meal. And that's what the book is about. <laughs> and what, it, what it's saying about us is what are man that thou art mindful of him? What is man that thou art mindful of him? And, and that's kind of what the theme of what this psalm teaches and the point of worship. And so when giving God the, the glory and in bringing uh, worship into our lives, we're actually giving place to him in our lives. We're making more room for him to be in this room because we're two or three are gathered together. There he is in the midst, in the midst of either, each person actually. And maybe in some mystical sense as a as a joiner together of the fellowship and making us a church. Well, I think a lot about that because I love to look at the stars. I don't know if any of y'all have a, a night light, night goggles. Does anybody have one of these little things where you look through and, and you can see in the dark or see in partial darkness? If you can ever get a hold of one of those things and look up at night into the heavens, it, it looks like the floor. I mean, if the whole sky were solid, looking, it looks like looking at the beach instead of the stars. We see some of them. In our, with our naked eye, we can see a little bit of the heavens. But when you look through that, it amplifies it so much that it just eyes almost solid stars. It, there's very little distinguishing between. You can see a little bit of, you can see particles, but it's just amazing. And that's what it looks like. It's like a fabric out there. And so it's interesting to me. I... I'm excited about these things. I'm excited about how that brings us to a point of dealing with the most difficult thing in life, fear. Because fear is the opposite of love, but it's also the lack of faith. Fear and faith are battlegrounds. This is where the battleground in our life is. And we're either fearing 
or we're believing. And believing gives us the opportunity. To over, it doesn't mean that we lose our fear. It just means we overcome it. If there's a, if there's a rattlesnake in the trail, you should have a fear about getting too close to it. And so we have faith that if we stay a certain distance away from it, it can't hit us and we can get around it. And, and faith is how we cross a street. You, you walk out here and uh, when the streets are busy and you go to cross, you have to have faith that people are seeing you and that you're waiting for the, the right uh, time to cross that road so you won't get hit. You have to have faith to get in your automobiles and to go somewhere because you don't know what's going to happen out there. And it's not always predictable. You have to have faith to join a team, a baseball team. Mandy and her father's picture were in the paper. Mainly it was Mandy, but her father was there too. And, and because they were champions, and she was a champion. Mentioned her in the paper too this week, if y'all got a chance to see that. So the, 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 the thing is that God is working these miracles in our life day by day. We're seeing things as maybe they more really are, the, the honest truth about things. And the heavens do declare the glory of God. I watched this past week the Republican convention. Uh, some of it was good. Some of it was not so good. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to try to watch next week as much as I can. And uh, some of it will be good, I presume, and some of it won't be. So I'll get a chance to, to see the comparisons. This is something that old people can do. You sit around and you do these things. And you, but I don't want to get steamed up or lose my cool or get fearful over things. So I'm just going to take it as it is. Uh, the point that I'm sure if y'all watched uh, Trump's speech this week, most of it was the same thing that he, all, that he always is saying, sounding like a, a New York City taxi driver, hollering, you know, the same things that, he, that we've already heard, except for one point. And suddenly, in the middle of his speech, he stopped and he leaned over on the podium like this and he said, I just want to be, I am thankful for the evangelicals. I'd have to ask my wife exactly what he says. But uh, I'm just grateful for the evangelicals. You, all of a sudden, it wasn't a showman or personality. It was the spirit of that man came out. And he said something like, I don't deserve, I don't deserve it. Is that what he said? And I, I'm not sure I deserve. 
how good they've been to me or something like that. And that, that's, we're called to understand each other in the spirit. The spirit of man is different from the soul of man, which is the personality and the showmanship and the, and the presentation. That's the presentation. Everything about the personality is presentation. We're not called to, be, to walk in the soul. We're called to walk in the spirit. Why? Because the spirit joins with the Holy Spirit to do something different in us and to speak out from us when we don't even expect it. The spirit of man knows the spirit of God and the spirit of God knows the spirit of man and the spirit of man is able to communicate spiritually with people and there's not very often that you feel those spiritual connections it's very difficult except in a spiritual setting like this mainly we communicate on a soulish level which is okay, but it's carnal. Carnal means fleshly. It's a carnal relationship. We have a fleshly relationship. We have to understand each other by the way we talk to one another or, or different things. But we believe more than that. We believe a lot more. There are times when you could say something that I don't like what you said or I don't agree with you. But if my spirit is right with your spirit, then love will overcome the fear of one of us being wrong and I can accept the person. Doesn't matter if he made a mistake. I can love the person beyond that. Faith overcomes fear. So believing in each other in the sense of acceptance and in the experience of wanting to believe the best about every person, and it's hard. We're so critical. We're so um, godlike. We're so puffed up. And so proud that it's kind of hard just to say we're the same. God is working in our hearts to save us from a sinful and corrupt uh, heart that's desperately wicked. So much so that it takes years to reveal it. And we keep getting the revelation of what the fall was, of how evil we can be in our heart and how much we have to believe in Jesus Christ to overcome who we are and be the people that God wants us to be. And then it's still up to him. He's the one who produces the work. Think about it. Jesus went to the pool of Siloam. And there was 
a bunch of people around waiting for some bubbles to come out of the water because every so often there'd be a uh, release of some gases below and bubbles would come. And when that happened, they thought that the angels disturbed the water and they would try to get over, you know, they were cripples and people that there. They'd try to get over or get somebody to throw them in the pool if they were first one in. It's a superstitious thing. If they're the first ones in, then they would get healed. And Jesus came up and saw all these people, and he went to one of them, just one that we know of. And he looked at the man, and he said, what do you want? And he said, I, I want to be healed or I want to walk. And Jesus forgave him of his sin and told him to get up and walk, and he got up and walked off. What about everybody else? Maybe nobody else was ready to receive that healing. Maybe nobody else could have handled that. Or maybe it would have not been the, to the glory of God. Maybe they in their life after that could not have glorified God as much as their position there around the pool. These things are, are pretty complex. And that's why we believe in God. Because he knows. He actually knows the whole situation. And he's interested in every person. And he loves us. If there's any equality, it's that he loves us all the same. For those that accept him. For those that don't accept him, there's something else that takes place. Not the same. And so it takes a response on our part. Yep, it's hard. And sometimes it's discouraging. There was a guy named Skippy. Or at least they called him Skippy. It was a nickname. He failed the eighth grade and had to repeat it. When he got to high school, he failed Latin, physics, algebra, and English. He just couldn't do very good, and kids made fun of him. He submitted, he had a, the only way that he could really express himself was doing little drawings or maybe stick figures or something. Anyway, he was pretty good at art, so he would submit things to the yearbook to put in the yearbook or into the school newspaper and they always rejected him. And then he did a pretty good series by the time he, after he graduated or I don't know if he graduated from high school but after he got out of high school he, he had some that he thought were really good and about that time Walt Disney was coming alive and so he sent a bunch of his drawings to Walt Disney who promptly sent them back and rejected all of them. But <clears throat> nothing else in his life meant as much to him as expressing himself through these little cartoons. So finally, he, he started submitting them to all the newspapers and magazines and I mean he sent them all over the place. He, he had faith 
to overcome the fear of failure that was in his life. And because he became a Christian. Because God was inspiring him to keep going. Just keep going. Just keep on. I've given you a talent. Keep on until that talent doubles. Finally, he was recognized by somebody and he started getting in and he started writing his autobiography in his cartoons. And Charles Schultz became one of the most famous people in the world with his Peanuts and the Peanuts cartoons. It takes a lot of faith to hold on, to hang in there. I think it would take a lot of faith on the part of these coaches and people who do the same, who try to work the same team, especially if you have a bunch of losers, and try to make something out of them. But they do. And then some of the brightest and greatest stars, we were talking about some of them this morning, but like Manzel, whatever his name is, Johnny Football, played a year for A&M and was magnificent. So good that he got into the, the National League of football teams. I forgot what you call it. Is that something like that? But he hadn't been able to be successful because he can't hold his life together and he doesn't know that if you can't control your life, how do you know you can control your game? And the game is not as important as his life. And the same thing happened to the golfer. He, once he fell apart, he's never been the same again. And there's a way in which we let ourselves down and fears take over. And God has given us the opportunity to have a few tricks to pull to get on the inside. And a great one is praising God. Eventually, while we're praising God and worshiping Him, in some way or another, we, we begin to get our attitude straight. We become less of a victim of why did this happen to me or what's going on here or whatever's happening. And we begin to look at God and say, Lord, you are our Lord. God, you are God. And Jesus is our Lord and God and lives in us to change us and to make us what he really wants. Most of us in here have had experiences failing or losing or having some tough times or going through some difficult experiences or feeling like we don't measure up or somehow having that fear on the edge of our life and we think we have to control it 
in order to do, take care of the fear, but we don't. What we have to do is turn loose and let God have it in our lives and become the person that God makes us. And because of that, Jesus is glorified in us. There isn't any other reason. He's not, a, he's not glorified in what we act out. He's glorified in what we surrender. And so I surrender all. All to him we give. Let's pray. Father, we're amazed that as God, you put up with us, you accept us as your children, you love us as if we'd never sinned. We thank you this morning that you are our Lord. And we ask for your mercy and grace to make us a church that would lift you up and be a people that you would manifest yourself through. We need some miracles. We have people that we love and pray for that we need you to touch. Our own lives are so often an act, a presentation. Of being something that we think is the right way to be. So often we fear that if we did something that's in our heart that we would be totally uh, ostracized. We pray that you would speak to our hearts and we would obey. Lord, we love you. We desire with all our souls and hearts and minds to be the kind of people that you can use and glorify yourself on this earth. And if there was ever a time when you need to be seen, ever a time when you would like to express yourself to others, it's today. And we pray that you would work to have your way in us and glorify Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're sharing communion together, hopefully to allow ourselves to repent and to be shown. God has to show us our hearts. Uh, you're not going to look at it. I mean, why would you? You could take out your heart and look at it. <laughs> this thing wouldn't be worth looking at. wouldn't be worth smelling. Because it's desperately evil and wicked. And God himself is the only one that can clean it and make it 
what he wants. So as we, uh, this morning, take communion together, let's pray that God reveal something in to make us his children, to make us right in his sight. Give us his grace, his mercy. And as we take these symbols, a symbol of the body, this body, because this is where Jesus resides. He's physically present in Uvalde right here because he lives in us. And to drink this wine or to accept this wine as a token that says that he shed his blood. He was the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world that he bore upon himself. And that this is the way that we can be forgiven of our sins. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God gives us his grace, which is an amazing thing. If you were as perfect as God and you had to deal with a friend or a person that had sinned and has the heart that we have, could you be as merciful as God is to us? Those that are assisting in communion, come forward, please.